Hey guys, we are back for our second episode. First off, before we get into interviewing another amazing music manager, I just want to say a big thank you for all the love for our first episode with Ben Mawson. We had lots of lovely tweets and feedback. You obviously really enjoyed what you had to say. Again, I know we say this at the beginning and end of every pod, but please share the pod with you can with people that you think would really enjoy it. It really helps us out. So this week's episode is a lady, Ali. Good. Ooh. About bloody time. <laughs> Good. We've had one man already, and that's one man too many. Yes, exactly. The last thing this world needs is another man. Um, it is the amazing Daniel Livesey of Push Management, which she co-runs with an amazing guy called Nico Mischolt, whose roster includes the huge, I think he might be platinum selling now, he's definitely gold, Jack Savaretti and Gizmo Varelis. We recorded this episode in mid-May, so it was peak pandemic times and we're releasing this episode in mid-August 2020 and a lot has happened in those three months and I guess we could have edited out quite a few of these conversations because so much has moved on but we kind of think it's good to preserve a bit of history because this is a completely unprecedented year and there's a lot we discussed that People were, were maybe hoping they could do various things in the early stages of lockdown, like Danielle mentioned the, the idea of car park gigs that Live Nation rolled out across the whole country and then sadly last month had to pull as the government decisions had changed and I'm sure that had implications with insurance and God knows what else. But we thought it was important to keep those conversations in just to see how difficult it's been for music managers throughout lockdown. So bear in mind, we recorded this in mid-May and Good God, a lot has happened since then. So on a more positive note, and what's been amazing about lockdown is Jack Savaretti's connection with his fans throughout the whole process. Um, he is a really, really big star in Italy, which obviously was one of the worst hit countries for COVID first. And he was straight out the block with a charity single inspired by conversations with his fans. He was on social media doing covers every day. He was chatting to people. He's just constantly been in the mix and really a, a shining example of how an artist can use their sort of platform to what they feel is give back but also grow what is you know a, a bigger audience through it and crucially we have some great conversations about coming into management not necessarily as a wider 21 year old but as somebody who's had you know more life lessons and a previous career uh, before they did that route and I think that's really interesting because a lot of people you know a lot of people now are probably thinking about switching career or looking at changing their jobs, give whether they have lost a job or they just feel that something has happened that makes them want to change their job. And I think Danielle's story is inspiring because it shows that, you know, you can change career at any age. If you find the right act and you can do the right things, you can do anything. Yes, indeed. It was amazing to talk to her. And we have got another new musical tip for you, just like last episode, from Small Green Shoots, a brilliant organisation who support young people breaking into the music and creative industries, who we've teamed up with recently as one of the Shoots tips us on another act that they have been loving right now. So that pops up halfway through the episode. So let's get into it. This is a brilliant Danielle Livesey on How Did You Manage That? So we are joined today by Danielle Levesey, who is Push Management, is that correct? Push Music Management. Push Music Management, get that right. We're on lockdown, so my brain's a bit melted, so we'll let me off. But um, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we are obviously in very different times, or a different climate, as I like to say. I feel like I've said the word climate a lot over the <laughs> last couple of months. Um, 
And we wanted to, I suppose, restart the podcast to look at managers who are doing really innovative things with their artists in this very strange lockdown period. I think the date today is, so we can reference it, the 19th of May. So it is in the UK, for anybody who's listening to this outside of the UK, we've been on lockdown now for about two and a half months, I think. I thought you were going to say 2,000 days there. It feels like it. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it, yeah. So obviously lockdown is meant for us and for the music industry a lot of very different things, mainly no live. Yeah. So no concerts, no gigs, no festivals, which obviously must have had a bigger effect on a lot of artists um, that yeah. were due to do that this year. So Danielle, just to introduce yourself a bit, can you tell me a little bit about who you manage and how you came to manage Jack and just a small amount about what the lockdown has sort of changed for you. So as you said, my name's Danielle Livesey from Push Music Management. I have a partner in the business called Nico Michel um, and we manage Jack Savaretti, Gizmo Varius and a production and writing duo called PS. Um, and I basically got into this industry via Jack I was in a completely different industry prior to this and I met him through an initiative to bring different communities together. Um, back in 2007, knife crime was particularly rampant. Um, it was a lot of sort of street codes, different areas were the reason they were fighting. There was, you know, just because they lived in different areas. Um, at the same time, it was particularly bad in the Middle East and... I just kind of, one summer, it was the summer of July in 2007, just thought I wanted to make a difference. I was, I was actually an interior designer working in a completely different industry. Um, and I heard this song by Jack called Soldier's Eyes, and it really resonated with me. And I just thought if I could create some kind of video with this song and get different, you know, different communities on board, we could do something to bring uh, people together uh, to cut a very long story short, it was actually a project that we did with MTV and Apple um, with all different youth clubs and they had to create videos to that song and there was an awards at the Apple store in Regent Street and we went on a little bit of a campaign with the song and it, it was really amazing to see all these young kids working together and I think Jack at that time, his management you know, was also his label and publisher and I think he felt they were going in different directions and he basically said, you need to meet um, my, who was my, he was his tour manager at the time and then became his manager. And um, basically that's how Push started. I, I had a meeting with Nico. I'd been through um, something quite serious personally. I'd been ill and had to go through treatment. So I have, I kind of had lost a, feel, a fear factor of stepping into a new industry you know, in your early 40s, you don't normally make a change. Like, I thought, you know what, I've got nothing to lose. I've gone through worse things. I really believed in Jack. I just could not understand why he, he wasn't greater than he was, actually. Uh, the album then was between the minds, and it really was just extraordinary. And um, I just thought, you know what, I, was, I grew up in a time of Springsteen, Bowie, Genesis, you know, Pink Floyd, like huge greats. And I just really felt he had that. I really felt he had something. And I was really excited by it. And no one since has ever been able to say we couldn't do it. You know, we're on the, we're still on that journey. Um, 
but it's been amazing. So he brought me into a whole new industry. I got a book on music management, read it, took on lawyers and away we went. <laughs> Amazing. That is such a, like, it almost makes sense, the amount of creativity Jack's been outputting at the moment during lockdown. When you say that's how you met, it's like that seems to be such a creative start. So it all totally makes sense yeah. you know, in, in, in the sort of things he's getting involved in. That is a lovely way to get into music management. <laughs> yeah. I think if someone had really told me what, at the beginning, <laughs> what it would mean in terms of time and life, uh-huh. I probably wouldn't have done it <laughs> because it, it you know, it, 10 years it took completely mm-hmm. took over it's taken over our lives but it's been amazing really amazing i think what's what's quite interesting with you you know the the story that you just told us there was that um you said you got into it as a second career almost like a bit later in life and a lot yeah. of people who are thinking about going into the music industry that i've spoken to actually recently are sort of actually anywhere from sort of like late 20s right up to late 30s and they're thinking oh I don't know if I can make the jump because it's a young person's game and I won't be respected because I haven't been in it that long and I think your story is actually quite inspiring because yeah personally speaking I didn't actually get into music I had a completely different job I used to like work work at a university and run a whole e-learning department up until the age of like 28 29 and then I decided through working in a, at a small label part-time and things like that, that I would make the leap and do it. And I always yeah. say to people who who maybe are feeling like the first time they came out of uni and they took a job and they did a different path, but they didn't really maybe feel like they followed their true calling, so to speak, yeah. if they're too late to do it now. And I think that's really, really inspiring that you said, you know what, I thought, why not give it a go? The only thing I needed was the music and the trust in him as an artist and the rest took care of itself. Yeah, and I think the absolute belief, because obviously there was Mm. a lot of doors closed initially from some of the highest people in the industry, actually. Um, But all it did was fire us up further because the belief, you know, we've always known um, the talent. And I think, you know, I think women, when they've had children and they've sort of, they were going to uni at that point, there's a freedom that comes there's suddenly you can dedicate a serious amount of time to something you're not rushing to school at three o'clock or it was the perfect time let's uh let's talk about right now and the current situation because obviously there are some serious threats and a lot of hardship going on in, in the world and more specifically in the music industry but in many ways for managers i suppose Zoom calls are not things that are strange beasts that we've never done before. Having conversations and overcoming difficult logistical problems is kind of the day-to-day. Yeah. Um, How have you been finding the last few months? You know, I think uh, it's been difficult. You know, we had a a really wonderful summer of festivals um, that we've lost. And really, I think next summer is now also looking doubtful on the festival front. Um, we obviously had an arena tour booked for autumn 2021, which we now know we can't do. So we've had to shift that tour into smaller venues. Uh, so you get under a certain cap mm-hmm. because the last thing Jack wants to do is to put anyone at risk or be the reason that people start getting ill because it's been at one of his shows, you know, course, artists yeah. really don't want that responsibility right now. Um, mm-hmm. so it's tough. We've lost, um, you sort of all the live shows theoretically for 18 months, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, so that income is, it's his biggest income, mm-hmm. but he's, we're also incredibly grateful because 
our campaign was last year. You know, we had our number one album. We sold out Wembley. We've signed um, a new label deal with Virgin EMI. So we've gone from BMG to Universal effectively, which is a massive shift. Um, So we're just grateful. There are a lot of artists out there who are on campaign currently. All their shows have got, you know, it's really, it's tough. And I think, you know, we all felt this industry was about to, was about to just go on this massive upswing, Mm -hmm. you know, after it come out of quite a tough period, you know, even me, you know, January 2020, I'm like the next decade for the music industry is going to be golden, (laughs) golden. And we've been literally kneecapped. Mm-hmm. But you know, I feel um, we're, we're, you know, even our other artist Gizmo Varillas, it's so much more streaming, and you know, his career is slightly different to Jack's. It's not so um, he hasn't got such a live setup yet, so we can still work, still work his releases. But it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's. It, I'm glad you touched on live there because I found in the first couple of weeks of the lockdown, speaking to an agent in the UK or an agent in the US, they were suddenly the go-to experts on what different countries were doing and what different yeah. proposing. You know, they were almost epidemiologists more than you were seeing in the news because in sort of innate knowledge they had of what was going on. How have you, in the first few weeks, were you trying to make plans of, oh, maybe we could go to this country, but that country's gone? Or was it more a blanket feeling of, this is all out the window? Um, not initially. We had shows in Greece um, and Switzerland that got mm. moved back. But as the weeks moved forward, it started to, you know, Jack really started to feel uncomfortable. Mm. Um, if, you know, it's a big responsibility bringing a lot of people into one area. Absolutely. And I just don't, he just doesn't feel it's the right thing. I think safety first mm. and you know, it will come, you know, it will come back, but we just don't really know what we're dealing with. Yeah. But I think for the agents, it's actually, it's been, it's devastating for the agents. And I think a lot of them will be looking for new careers. Mm-hmm. I think it's so, really sadly. sad. I think as well, um, I was chatting to an agent the other day and he was saying how he feels that a lot of the smaller promoters just won't survive this. Like the, the bigger beasts like the live nations etc will probably be okay but all the the little promoters that were putting on the newer smaller acts to help build them up will probably sort of disappear which is you know you've got jack but you're also trying to to break and work with newer artists and those sort of options are are going out the window now so how are you sort of i mean you said streaming is one of the other things but when you're looking at newer artists now are you looking at other models at the moment to try and build income for them yeah i mean straight for gizmo streaming is 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 quite a big focus and he streams really organically has started the streams are building he's streaming really well um you know he's been doing we're looking at sort of online shows and um you know different avenues of how to you know now that we're talking about and going back to jack actually drive-in shows Mm. This is something that as people are starting mm. Live Nation, I was speaking to them yesterday. They're looking at options of taking over huge car parks and drive-in shows. A bit like, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen the drive-in cinema in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I saw the other day a German promoter had done a drive-in rave, which yeah, I was like, I'm less excited about that than a live show. I don't think I'd just go sit in my car with a glow stick, but for a live show, you can still have an element of production, I would imagine. 
exactly. But there's still, you know, there's still things, you know, that would mean putting a band on a stage and that mm-hmm. would have to be done safely. And mm. there's logistically it's looking at, but uh, that's an option. Um, obviously, Jack's done a few. He did something for Great Ormond Street Hospital mm-hmm. the other day. That was that, sort yeah. of a little live show, but he did it from home. Mm-hmm. Um, I think artists are looking at ways to set themselves up at home and reach their audiences. And there's lots of different, I think, beat, there's lots of different sort of mediums that they can use to do that. Mm-hmm. It definitely felt like Jack was one of the first artists to come out and just do things very quickly after it became reality. And maybe that's, I guess, having a European audience and things were a little slower yeah. over here in the UK, probably just from my own personal consumption was why I saw it a little quicker. But he really, it seems like he really threw himself into I guess, the cause and supporting other people. Was that something that was really passionately coming from him? 100%. He's, he had, he's got a big fan base in Italy and mm-hmm. they obviously went into lockdown maybe four weeks, three, four weeks ahead of us. It was also the numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're there now, but the numbers were terrifying and it was younger people and his fans were literally just locked in. And, you know, he had one young... A uh, young girl who had moved to another part of Italy into an apartment on her own, and it all just happened. And she got locked in, and she was just really scared. And he just started to kind of speak to them on Instagram Live and try and reach out and just sort of say it's going to be okay and bring everyone together. And the song evolved from that. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. it was really amazing, and it, he felt he was doing something. He was connecting people. I think his father said to him, "Listen, you know." There's a lot going on here. This is part of what you do, Jack. This is part of who you are. Get on and communicate, you know, mm-hmm. entertain people, bring them something, bring the world together. And he did. And it actually, he didn't even think he was going to be writing a song to <laughs> release it. Uh-huh. But it went so well. Um, we basically contacted Virgin, who are obviously now his label, and we put this release out. All money is going to the hospital, mm-hmm. San Martino. Genoa Hospital in Italy and he's been raising money and he makes him feel good and then he decided to do the Instagram live every day for the fans yeah every morning and you know yesterday I think he went on and said you know guys are you getting bored shall I (laughs) stop or shall I do something different you know and they were like no 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 don't stop you know and I think it's he's done you know stuff for cancer research he's done Mm -hmm. stuff for gosh I think it just to be proactive and giving back Mm-hmm. Is and then obviously he's staying very loud and clearly telling people to just to stay at home. Yeah. Like he's at home, stay at home. Mm-hmm. But no. Yeah, no, it was just really lovely to see that. And 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 yet I'm not even gonna attempt. I heard Nahal and Five Live interviewing Jack the other day and he didn't attempt to say the track title. But is that a phrase of kind of positivity that it came out of when he was writing the song? Am I right in thinking? Yeah, as in the title or was Yeah, the okay, title of the track, sorry. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, it was Fair basically enough. a slogan that developed in Italy just mm-hmm. before he started writing the song. Like they were saying to each other, all be okay, all be on tutto bene. And when he was writing the song, one of the, I think it was a couple in their apartment, they were getting really drunk drinking wine <laughs> with <Actually>. him. <laughs> and um, they said, no, this is what the title should be this is what we're saying in Italy. And so he took that title. Yeah. Love I was it. surprised he didn't say, was that with Colin Murray? Uh, no, that was with uh, Nihal. 
in the afternoon. It was just a wee <laughs> clip I saw, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm also a big fan because Jack's quite a regular guest on Fighting Talk with Colin Murray. I know. Uh, the sports show, and I love it when Jack comes on. <laughs> it's Colin fawns over him. It's great. <laughs> I know, I know. I think they're going to do a lot more together too. I great. think Jack really... I mean, he's a so smart, Colin. So... Obviously, Jack's put this amazing song out and he started writing it. How in the, I'm going to say the current climate because I feel like a weather weather person here, but how did he, from writing that song, get it out? Because obviously he couldn't go to the studio and record it physically. I presume he couldn't have producers, engineers there. So how did he sort of collaborate remotely with, you know, producers, mix engineers, whatever, to to get that song made so he could put it out? It was done remotely. Um, it was Cam Blackwood, who you would know. So. I know Cam well, yes. So uh, I think Jack recorded the vocals. I think uh, Cam and um, pretty much Dan Moyler was involved as well. Um, we had strings put in one place. We had all of the instruments laid in, you know, in different studios, home studios, and then Cam pieced it all together. Amazing. It was done Amazing. very safely. Yeah, And how did Jack find working like that? Because usually he is a very artist that loves loves to be with the producer. I know him and Cam have done the last album together and yeah. he likes to be very present. So was that, do you think it was more difficult for him to not physically be there or was did he get used to quite quickly the, the bouncing backwards and forwards of parts, stems, vocals, etc.? I think it was difficult in the beginning, Um but he's had to get used to it quite quickly because he's writing a new album currently. So the sessions are, at the moment are all remote. I think as look, his setup was key at home. He also recently bought a really beautiful new piano prior to this, which was just great timing. So he's loving writing songs on the piano and he's got that set up perfect. And I think he's, it's good now. I think now he'd probably say he's never going to go in a studio and do everything <laughs> remotely. So he doesn't have to leave, leave home. You know, this is the thing, you know, as an, an artist, he's away so much from his family and his young kids. And this lockdown has given him that amazing time at home with his son and daughter that he, that block time that he doesn't normally have. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that Jack has shown as an artist and and maybe is a lesson to, lessons, not the right word, but maybe an example to other artists, managers out there is because he's been doing these these Instagram lives every morning or he's been you know it's consistency and I think doing something every day keeping in contact every day I think that the fans that have been I'm sorry the artists that have been doing that on social media platforms while this has been going on are the ones that seem to be reaping the most rewards from it if that makes sense yeah I think it's it's very easy to to put a video up, maybe do an Instagram live Q&A every now and again. But I think him being consistent and fans knowing that at the same time or the same place every day they can go and check in with him is something yeah. that is is amazing and has obviously really helped grow his fan base, right? Yeah. And him, you know, mm. he's learning. Every day he's learning a new song. He's learning something different. So his mind, you know, he's being stretched every, you know, he's, he's not, you know, I mean, he did a Sam Fender song. Um, I think, I think it was Borders or maybe not mm-hmm. one other, but he's a big fan, really tough to take on Sam Fender. Actually. Big voice. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Big voice, brilliant pace, but it was an amazing experience. He got a great uh-huh. message from Sam, yeah. you know, um, so it's stretching him and it's growing him, which we will probably, you know, we'll see that in the new album, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Um, 
and the response he's getting from fans and that connection has been amazing. So great. On that new album, are you already starting to think ahead to campaign mode or are you thinking, well, this is going to be very different, you know, if the live's not there, the arena shows are gone, or is that going to be something you might kind of hold fire at? It's hard hard to say at the moment. Hard to say at the moment. I'm currently, we're looking at next May as an album release. Um, and the tour, you know, there was going to be maybe some, a few small shows in and around that. And then there mm-hmm. was obviously the big arena tour. So all of that strategy is now shifted. Mm-hmm. Um, and the album may get put back. So obviously they will want to go and record that in a studio all together. Mm-hmm. So that will determine, I think, um, that process. Yeah, absolutely. Because the last album, they were all in Italy. The whole experience was they were all together in Italy. They dressed up in suits every day. <laughs> you know, he, he likes to get into the whole idea of concept, the film, you know, almost like a film of the album and they all get into sort of character. Uh-huh. Um, and he had some really wonderful ideas of where in Europe the next make new album was going to be made. And that obviously is going to be different now. Yeah, totally. I still love that that the authenticity of that of going. Well, we're gonna we're gonna give this a branding, and it's not just someone coming in and going. Oh, right, here's the design. That's your consistent campaign. It's like, okay, we're gonna live this. We're gonna do that. I love that. <laughs> it's a great opportunity. Yeah. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode. We just want to bring your attention to one quick thing we're doing, which is we're teaming up with an excellent startup called Small Green Shoots, a company delivering music projects and opportunities to young creatives and emerging artists all over London. So over to this week's Small Green Shoots tipster, it's Nicole. Hi, my name's Nikki and I'm a project assistant at Small Green Shoots. My artist to look out for is Charlotte Day Wilson. She's 24 years old and from Canada. I would describe her sound as kind of soulful, um, old school R&B. She kind of reminds me of Sade, so if you like her, you should definitely check out Charlotte. Four Green Shoes is a charity that works with young people, giving them job opportunities in creative industries that they might not necessarily get. You can check out our online programmes and all of our content across social media channels. Big love and thanks to Nicole and the whole Small Green Shoots team. Go hit up their website to find out more about what they do and how they are ushering in the next generation of music industry talent while making some excellent things happen in the process. Right, let's get back to the conversation we were in the midst of with the excellent Danielle Livesey from Push Management. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to ask a little bit about, again, how, how you've grown with them over, you know, go, going back a little, um, how you've grown with them as a manager, um, how that process was from kind of just working together and it was your first music management job to as the albums went on, how you found that that process. Was it was it exciting? Was it daunting? Was it fun? Was it scary? All those things. Really exciting, really daunting because, you know, even today when you start getting into royalties, PRS, PPL, you know, all these kind of, you know, I'm a really creative person. I was a pain. I also was a painter as well. I used to sell my work. So I'm so creative. So, and this is very like spreadsheets, Excel sheets. It's just oh. like literally, <laughs> I think I'm dyslexic in that area, but Nico, my business partner is amazing. You know, that's where Brilliant. he's just incredible, but um, very daunting mm-hmm. and a bit feet first, you know, just jumped in. Um, I think the fact that we had such a strong belief in who we were working with took us through maybe those 
moments that we didn't have the experience one necessarily may have needed, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, pretty scary, but amazing. Oh. Amazing journey, you know. It's been literally from, I remember the foot when we got Montreux Jazz Festival way back, he played in the park, just traveling to Switzerland with him and the band really early and seeing the park just go crazy, <laughs> having not really experienced his music before. And then yeah. he was invited back the week after um, mm-hmm. to play with Deep Purple, I think it was, which was wow. just so crazy just to support <laughs> them. But because the reaction had been so good, you know, moments like that, the moment he, you know, coming out Wembley last year oh. was just after a 10-year journey. You know, uh-huh. that was the vision we had. I always had that vision. Mm-hmm. I always knew he could be that arena-type stadium artist. Um, so to, to see the realisation of that was just incredible. Mm-hmm. And I think from day one early, we've always had that vision of Jack, that type of career in our, in our minds. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it seems to be as as it's grown and obviously got more mainstream to to an arena level, the the fan base is growing. The types of people he's speaking to different. Do you ever find you have to kind of change the messaging to speak to older audiences or younger audiences, or is it just him doing his thing that people seem to respond to, regardless of? I think age? so. I think he loves the fact the audience is diverse. Mm-hmm. I think he would. He loves the fact that there's you know, a woman with her daughter, with the granddaughter, like there's uh-huh. three, four generations of people in that audience. I think he's super proud of that. He loves the fact, more, you know, more and more men are now, you know, we're, we're getting almost to 50-50, where it used to be quite female. Uh, you know, they're bringing their boyfriends and then the boyfriends love it and then they're bringing their mates. Uh-huh. And that's how we've seen the shift. Um, and then obviously with sinks, he had an amazing sink in Sons of Anarchy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, with soldiers' eyes, and that shifted the audience again. You know, you started getting bikers coming. You know, I think even one <laughs> wow. tattooed his name across his chest. No. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, I think the diversity is what he loves. I mean, Jack is very much about bringing different people together. Mm-hmm. No, no barriers, no boundaries. So to see that audience evolve and men, women, young, old, all together, all enjoying the music, he's, I think he's super proud of that. How... Um have you made sure that you've built the right team around Jack since you've been working with him? Everything from, you know, tour manager to his live band to his booking agent, the PR that you use. How have you sort of made sure that you've you've got the right people on board? Has that come through sort of a trial and error thing or were there people already on board with Jack that he trusted he was very close to when you came on board? How have you made sure that that is, is, is the right balance for him? It's a great question, actually. Um... So primarily, I think gut instinct's a big thing. Um, having a gut feel of somebody and it's, it's really key to separate who, who's literally doing it for the fee and who's kind of doing it. Yes, of course, everyone has to be paid, but who genuinely is excited mm-hmm. and will perhaps go that extra mile, you know, knock down that extra door. It's about finding those people, radio that is the longest standing member in Jack's team, even prior to Nico and us is our radio plugger. I'm going to plug him now, Chris Hessian. Hessian at Hesso Media, who is absolutely awesome. Um, literally would bang any door down for Jack. He would, he would go the extra thousand miles. He's just incredible. And Jack's entire Radio 2 career is through him. 
And so it was building on that, knowing that, you know, you can have someone with passion mm-hmm. and drive for an artist. And, you know, Barbara Sharona MBC is his PR and she basically came on board when we didn't really have a label. We were independent, but she really believed in him. And she basically took a view uh, on the pay structure to come on board. And that meant an awful lot. And she's been with us all the way through. And we have great TV team at Sassy, Sarah Adams and Tom Brunner. And I think we've slowly and surely built um, just taking meetings, sitting in a room with people, really getting a feel. You know, there's been a few shifts and changes along the way. Agents, we met quite a few, but Ollie Hodgson at Coda, which is now Paradigm, just really just felt in our guts he was the right person and he really what it was just been incredible he's built his career so mainly on gut instinct I think do you think and this is something that I'm quite interested in just personally is do you think your gut instinct is more honed now than if you would have to make those decisions for him being 25 or something do you feel that you you know people better and you can sit in a meeting and get a feeling for them because you Mm. are you you know you've had more experience life experience really more than anything I always wonder whether you feel that you make the better decisions now well you hope you make the better decisions I suppose you don't hope you make the worst decisions but that's always an interesting thing there's an element of that that's true because you get shaped by experience uh, you also gaining confidence. You know, sometimes you can not be so confident. So you, am I judging this person right? Am I not judging this person right? And obviously you make mistakes along the way and you learn. So I think being older, there's been mistakes along the way and I've learned and I can maybe see certain traits or get a feeling. Um, but I think gut is gut instinct, a good gut instinct is inherent, I think. I think I've had that from quite young. Um, but definitely a mixture of both. A lot of that will come with uh, with that love of the artist and that genuine belief that he should be more famous than he is right now. When I hear a manager say that, I'm like, that's it. That is, I mean, it's the eternal damnation of a manager because no matter how big you get, there's always further you can go, <laughs> you know? Exactly yeah. right. And I think the, the thing is, you know, sometimes he's like, oh, Danny, you know, because I very much like I'm up with the stars in where I See, you know, yeah. when, even when we did Wembley Arena, I said, by the way, you know, we, we're going to the arena, but you know that first left, that's the stadium, <laughs> that's next. And he was like, oh. I love it. <laughs> You're always like, but I think if you, if you don't head for, if you don't aim high, mm-hmm. you, you don't even maybe get here. Yeah, absolutely. And it's and not that- like we want Jack to be, I, mean, I don't want Jack walking down, a, not being able to walk down a street. You know, I'm watching this. Have you, I don't know if you're watching uh, the Michael Jordan series. Yes. Last yes. Dance. I watched yeah, the yeah, second yeah. last it's one so last good. night. Oh. Incredible, right? Uh-huh. What a but story. I think, well, I'm maybe ahead of you, so I'm not going to give anything away, but I'm at where he literally, it, he can't even leave a hotel room. Yeah, mm. I've got to that, but it seems just... Unreal. I wouldn't want that for Jack. No. I really wouldn't. I want him to be able to, you know, Sade is a great example. Mm-hmm. Brilliant mm. career, financially very well set up, but she can live her life. She can walk down the street. She can be with her family and her friends and mm-hmm. think, you know. Yeah, let alone the mental effects, that level of fame 
must have mm. on you and everything. You know, the minute, sadly, when his father passed, when Michael Jordan's father passed away and everybody was accusing, you know, was there a conspiracy about his gambling? Mm. You're like, come on, that's a man's father who was at every one of his basketball games. So, Only in America right, can man. you pull over and have a sleep and get oh, shot. So just, just it's, it's what a documentary. But <laughs> seeing the inside outs of it and the decision making, you know, it's very similar to a lot of artists' lives, you know, it's just in, in that public eye. But yeah, I love that ambition. And I guess that helps drive those decisions about the, 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 the team that you bring together. Because that is like, do you have this? Do you share this enthusiasm? Because you are the ones that make these things happen and convince people to invest and convince people to play and convince people to write about them. So yeah, it's, it's, it's always so nice to hear that, that passion. How has Jack coped with, coped maybe is the right word, but a couple of artists that I've spoken to recently are struggling because they are aware that so much of, of obviously it's not his fault because it's what's yeah. happening in the world at the moment, but I've spoken to a couple of artists who say they feel awful because their tour manager's next paycheck was coming from their tour, their band's money was coming from, you know, the next tour they were doing and they feel a huge amount of of guilt and responsibility that they can't provide that that income stream at the moment. How is Jack sort of dealing with that? Does he feel, obviously I imagine he does feel quite a lot of responsibility to a team he is very close to. How is he sort of dealing with that? Are you helping him as a manager sort of have perspective there and understand that there there really isn't anything he can do and it will come again? Yeah, I mean, he has, uh, he has done, he, he basically, we looked at it and we looked at their situation. Some of them it is really difficult. And he has kind of helped out a bit there. Mm. Um, you know, because it's taken a long time to build. So we spoke before, obviously, about his promo team primarily, but it's taken an awful long time to build this particular setup on the road. Even, you know, band members. Mm -hmm. It's taken quite, you know, we've had a few bass players to where we have, you know, we now have Sam Davis, who's just phenomenal um it's taken a long time so he doesn't want to lose that so he's done what he can to help um and that it's very much we've said you know if there is a moment that it's difficult just come to us you know we'll, we'll look Great. at what we can do you know even you know his tour manager it's fantastic the team is so good you want to protect them mm -hmm. and hold them together as much as you possibly can i mean i don't know what happens if we you know, I, I was speaking, as I said, to someone at Live Nation yesterday, you know, this could be like two, two and a half, three years before things really come back. Um, you know, and those boys have lost a lot of income over the summer, <laughs> not just Jack them. So he's done what he can to help that's mm. viable financially for him. Yeah, and they course, know and they know he's there. You know, and if there is a situation that gets very bad, then they'll come to us and we'll do our best to sort it out, actually. That's the best you can do. That's yeah. Situation. Yeah. Just keep the communication open. Mm -hmm. but just talk. Just talk to us. Definitely. Um Is there anything you've seen out of the out of the, the sort of new way that we're working? And we mentioned touched on it before that I think music managers are particularly well set up. I work a full time job for the BBC, but I also manage an artist who's in Nashville. So for me, setting oh, wow. phone calls is literally my day to day. I'm fine with it. Uh, his labels in Canada and LA. He's in Nashville. It's it's just normal. Um, is there anything though that you've seen co come out of this situation that you really hope lasts into whatever the new normal is five years, or is some change in the music industry that you're like, oh, let's hope that stays and it isn't just people being nice for now. <laughs> Well, I think on the meeting aspect, 
Yes. <laughs> I think a lot more meetings will be done like this. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it will save a lot of managers mon- money traveling mm-hmm. into London, coming out cool. of London. Generally, it's over like lunch or it's expensive. Definitely. Um, I mean, I think that that will definitely shift how we meet. It's not so necessary. Not so mm-hmm. necessary to have offices, really. You know, Very I think true. staff can work remotely. I know companies are really shocked. They're beginning to see how well people are actually working, <laughs> yeah. you know, in their home environments. Um, I think, I hope that we'll become an even more caring industry, perhaps. Um, give back a bit more, mm-hmm. be less, you know, there are elements of that industry, the older school part that's still quite aggressive, huge egos, perhaps not always speaking to everyone with the, with, um, the respect that they should be. I think mm-hmm. that might shift a bit. Here's hoping. Here's yeah, hoping. I hope so. I think a lot of people have said as well, have they? They've realised that a lot of, of things that people are saying should have been meetings could have just been emails and that's saving a lot of people's time. <laughs> um, 100%. Yeah. yeah. It was really interesting yesterday. I read, I read something about um, like Zoom fatigue, it's called, or hangout fatigue or whatever you want to call it, which is um, 70% of communication is, is nonverbal, right? So when you're on Zoom you don't really get to read the nonverbal clues very well. So you sort of feel like you're performing a lot more. You sort of make your, say what you need to say, and then you sort of sit quietly and wait for someone to say <laughs> something back, which isn't necessarily the the sort of discourse you would have in a restaurant with somebody or in a meeting. And um, I just thought it was really interesting. I thought, I personally, I think I was feeling it a bit this week. I've had quite a lot of Zooms and I've been like, about it all but um but yeah I think I think you're right I think definitely there will be different ways of working but I think I personally am hoping that that when things get back to normal the the one-to-ones and the meetups will happen because I think it's such an important part of of creativity I suppose and I'm sure the artists are feeling like that too just getting back in studios and, and bouncing things off off people yeah definitely I mean I think he's loving the home recording now but there will be a point where you know, certainly with the album, because the bounce yeah. bounce off each other in a studio when they're actually putting the song together and putting it down, you can't really you can't really achieve that. Um, yeah. There's nothing like being locked in in Cam's little studio in Clapham in that little <laughs> well, they were, they hours in, and hours on end. <laughs> they were in Rome for the last. I mean, it was it was like looking at this maestro. I don't know if you've ever seen how he works. It was in Ennio Morricone's studio in Rome, which was just in itself just like incredible. And he, it was just this huge desk and he was like this mad conductor in his hair. (laughs) And he was just, you know, even if they did like one note, he was like, yes, (laughs) it's amazing. I think, you know, being there in the space with that, you can't really beat that. Definitely. So... I don't know how long. I mean, do you, from what you've heard from speaking to other people, do you get a feel of how long this can go on for? Have you had any sort of... I mean, yeah, I think when speaking to agents and stuff, what you were saying about, you know, really into next year is is pretty likely. I, I'm enjoying people communicating, discussing it differently. Um, the American lad I, I manage, his agent, uh, works with a company, High Road Touring in the States, and they're just like looking at it like depending on their political views 
what a disaster they're in or, or, or thinking, oh, let's just go and the different states being so cavalier. It's, yeah, it is, it's hard. But I think just chatting to people, spreading different experiences, which is kind of what we're trying to do with the podcast is probably a good thing. In yeah, this no, knowledge. Yeah, Nothing wrong exactly. with a bit of knowledge and communication <laughs> and people sharing their experiences. It's, it's great because then you don't feel so alone. Yes. We're all kind yeah. of in it together. Mm-hmm. definitely definitely and I manage like an, an artist as well who's signed to a sort of small independent label and there that label has been sort of phenomenal in in kicking into um into gear what needs to be done in this sort of you know for her to make sure that she has what she needs for that you know they they bought her a mic and sent that to her so she That's could do amazing. live sessions at home they've they've they put some money towards some day rate for her girlfriend that lives with her is an amazing videographer and they're like you know we'll, we'll pay some money so you can get some stuff shot and things so That's they've funny. really it's really sort of shown me how labels can kick into gear if they sort of genuinely care about the artist and mm-hmm. this label um does care about her a lot so it's really good to see that they have whereas i've spoken to a few other artists who've been a bit like you know shall remain nameless but um i've been a bit like yeah, my label's sort of not my focus at them not their focus at the moment mm. or it's quite hard for them to figure out what they want to do and stuff so, yeah, definitely you almost feel like this will i mean obviously finances and things provided the indie labels will come good and come better from this because they're used to that diy way of working yeah which this mm. so is at the moment it is just a you know we can't get a cameraman around your house do it yourself <laughs> sort of thing and i think that will the people that sort of need those really high gloss productions or stuff done do you know what look out thursday at 6 p.m um go onto youtube and um search gizmo virilis born again we'll do we just shot a video last week uh well it was edited last week it was shot Uh the week before and all the band members were in there we had i had color paper delivered to their their homes <laughs> amazing, <laughs> and a camera. Amazing. Yeah. Addison Lee delivered a special camera around to all the different homes and an editor. And it is amazing what, what you can do. Uh-huh. Definitely. definitely. Oh, Check really? it out. So it's, it's actually, I'm, I'm, a, I'm super proud of the song and we've just released it, but the video is, uh, it's amazing what you can achieve. That's nice. Yeah. You just about answered my, my last question there that was going to be what sort of things are you looking forward to, you know, in the next couple of weeks, what, what's coming out, but you've got that release. I'm glad to hear there's a release coming out as well of, of new music because I think there was that initial period of oh, maybe we shouldn't release anything. And obviously big campaigns are pushed back, but I'm seeing more and more releases coming out and people just going, do you know what? People want that music and okay, it doesn't quite tie up that we're announcing the tour and announcing the video and doing that all at once, but we'll just adapt, you know, without going silent. Yeah, we did think about it for for Gizmo, but mm-hmm. his, the message, uh, his message in his, his writing is so uplifting and so positive that mm-hmm. we actually felt people should hear it. And right. um, it's a really it's a really uplifting song. And I think hopefully it will bring a lot of light and a lot of hope to, you know, most of us are coping quite well, but there's a lot of people that are literally alone. And mm-hmm. I think something like that could mm-hmm. really help. And so we decided to go and the video is, you know, kind of quirky and happy. And so I'm hoping it will, you know, lift a lot of spirits you know brilliant definitely perfect perfect for the current climate i say that again <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us danielle it's really thank you good for having to talk me. to you um keep doing what you're doing it's great to hear all that positivity and all those activities all your artists and producers are, are getting up to and getting on with it with with a smile on your face <laughs> yeah brilliant. what, can, what else you can you do thanks 
Ali, I find Danielle super inspiring. I don't know about you. She's excellent. I just love the fact that, and I know I said it in the beginning in the intro, but, you know, I think it's really important that this podcast isn't necessarily just about as much as it's so important that we have young fresh music talent going through I think it's really important that say you are a bit older whatever you deem older to be and you think that you've got something or you want to try your hat or you find an amazing artist just go for it it doesn't matter whether you are 21 or 51 as far as I'm concerned if you've got the talent you've got the time and you've got the passion and you've got the drive you can have an incredible artist like Jack and like Danielle's got and I think that is that's just the message through and through with this podcast yeah, absolutely. It was lovely to hear those stories of how they've stuck by and built that relationship and working with her management business partner, Nico. It's just it's just really good to hear as well how much Jack has done in lockdown and how she was there to support him doing that and how much he really reached out to the fans. And inversely, he got a lot from that as well. Like, you know, the inspiration to, to do, do his most recent release. And yeah, it was great to have those conversations and, and to kind of hear that everybody is just finding their way through um, even though that was recorded back in May and we're releasing it in August 2020 is a year that is not going to be forgotten in a hurry sadly oh, no. if you enjoyed this episode feel free to give us a shout on Twitter or Instagram the handle is at manage that pod and we are so pleased to be supported by as always as we have been since the start of this podcast by the MMF the music managers forum who you can check out at mmf.net they are an amazing organization supporting managers established and brand new there are books on offer on that website there's training courses there are funding schemes available get on there if you have not checked it out before and you should definitely look at becoming a member so until next time stay safe guys and we'll see you soon <laughs>